G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast, coming at you with another Sunday sit-down featuring J-Lo, the great man and I had another lengthy chat on this Sunday, plenty of basketball and plenty of AFL fantasy stuff was unpacked, we kind of dove through and gave our thoughts on Utah Jazz's winning streak, I kind of dropped the uh, line on if the Boston Celtics need a little bit more help to contend. JLo is all in on the uh, Celtics bandwagon. We dove through a little bit of some Brad Beal trade scenarios. Doesn't seem like he's going to get dealt imminently, but watch this space. Stranger things have happened. I released my first AFL fantasy team of the preseason all over social media early in the day, so you can go ahead and check that out. But JLo and I both unpacked our fantasy lineups and then we went through a bit of Q&A that was dictated a lot around AFL fantasy and at the end kind of gave our Super Bowl picks and predictions a week out from Super Bowl 55 but huge episode hell of a sit down with JLo so I won't take up any more of your time without further ado let's dive right in. up another Sunday sit down with JLo uh, a little bit later than usual but I have a hunch these will start to uh, get pushed into Sunday evening sit downs how, how goes it on the last day of January Jacob uh, good mate good looking forward to the uh, lockdown well we're not in it uh, but uh, the rest of WA is launched in a lockdown so I guess I'm a bit grateful that we're not locked down at the moment but uh, yeah looking forward to some school tomorrow and you're really looking forward to going back to work tomorrow? You know, back into routines, mate. Close, one step closer to footy. That's a good point. Yeah, I am looking forward to getting into a routine. Podcast routine's been uh, pretty solid. This is the third straight week I think we've uh, done a sit-down, which is good. Good to, keep the, ball, good to keep the ball rolling. Uh, we've touched on pretty much every NBA team, I think, in some capacity. Some for maybe five seconds, some for closer to five hours. Shout out to the uh, Denver Nuggets, but... I think we're going to burn through a couple of teams, maybe some who we haven't spoke about a little bit today, and then unpack one of the big storylines in the NBA around Bradley Beal. But the biggest storyline in the NBA right now, personally, I think, is the success of the Utah Jazz. They are 11 straight Ws on the board, have 11 straight Ws on the board, 15-4, and best record and best winning percentage in the league. Obviously, we've talked about in the past how some teams are going to potentially finish with the top three, top two, seed, but it might not equate to a lot in the playoffs. What do you reckon of the Utah Jazz? Just in a quick nutshell, do you reckon they're good enough to win it this year? Uh, oh, mate, they're so well coached. They've got, obviously, a great system and a you know defense that really sort of gives them that foundation, but I, they're one of those teams that just probably lacks the star power, unless Dottie Mitchell really goes through the roof, sort mm. of like... Dwayne Wade circa 2006, you know. Um, I can't really see it happening, but I tell you what, they're on a roll. Donnie Mitchell had the concussion not uh, like in the last few days or, you know. Yeah, the missed week. the you, Dallas Maybe game, that's right. One, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're rolling, and I sort of was looking at the standings today. It definitely seems like there's a clear top four out in the West. Yeah, okay. Um, that's how the standings are sitting, and I feel like that's just going to sort of sort of continue on, especially with the, whatever's happening with the, the Blazers at the moment with their injuries. So um, it seems like there's a clear top four. Whether Utah can hold on to this number one slot, I'm not so sure. But 
I think there'll be a top four team and then maybe bounce out in the first round. You would say that there's a clear top four considering the Nuggets are sitting fourth, but fair enough, they've started uh, to turn yeah, it around look at lately. The rankings, you know, there's like three games between us and the next crew, so I reckon. Nana, ne- Memphis is half a game behind you in fifth. Yeah, right. Well, they're clearly not in the same category. Maybe that's what I was looking at. I get you. Yeah, either way, I think uh, you're right. The Memphis. team's in the like top. Memphis, really? Grizzly. Yeah. I'm a big Memphis fan. I like Memphis. Six straight for the Grizz. It's not about the Memphis Grizzlies. We're on the Utah Jazz. Uh, Yeah, like I said, they've won 11 games in a row. Their three-point shooting has really been what's fueled a lot of this run. And it's not even, I think, something that you consider as a fluke. They have had seven games this month where they've made 23s. I think they're on a streak. I want to say it's 15 made threes in about a dozen or 10 games, which is like the second longest streak in history. So... A lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, but when they dip back to the norm, they might be shitty, but they're still taking, making, and converting at, like, a top three clip in the uh, league. So, personally, I think that it could work and they could maintain one of these top couple of spots. Again, it does kind of boil down to is that going to matter in the playoffs, but if we don't have to go to a bubble and Utah is able to play at home, we've seen them go on long postseason runs before, you know, the Stockton Malone era, even a little bit when Daron Williams and Carlos Booz were floating around. They've got a lot of success behind that franchise. So, I don't know. There's part of me that wants to believe they can win it and go all the way, but I don't know. It's going to be a pretty tough ask. You're going to rely on Joe Ingles, who, shout out to ISO Joe, now uh, is the leading three-point maker in Utah no, Jazz slow, history. Is slow-mo Joe? Oh, he would be, yeah. Slow-mo Joe. Yeah, I'm a big Joe Johnson fan, so I've just got him stuck on the forefront of my mind. But, yeah. Again, I don't know if they do really lack that star power offensively. Defensively, I think technically, offense and defense, they're both one of the like top five teams in the league. They got the two-time defensive player of the year. They do, yeah. Oh, actually, what more star power do you want defensively, mate? No, that's what I'm saying. they want, need more star power offensively is what I'm saying, yeah. Because okay. Rudy Gobert might get you 15 rebounds, but he's probably not a guarantee to get you 15 points. Hmm. I reckon we'll be a bit split on this Jazz one. I... I guess we're saying the same thing, but I I'm less of a believer than you. I think. Yeah, I'm. I have particularly after the boil over last year. True. Oh, hard to call that a boil over. They were up three one against us. Yeah. 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 That's a huge boil over, mate. Yeah, okay, touche. I'm just thinking of what Donny did in the first couple of games and how they kind of you know took it to seven, but yeah, still blew it. Um, Rudy Gobert. Quick uh, aside. Third in the league for boards, shot contests, blocks. Third in plus minus. His teammate Mike Conley is number one at the moment. Uh, Leading the league in screen assists. I think if the Jazz keep winning this many games, Defensive Player of the Year is probably a shoe-in for him. There'll be plenty of contenders, but could he mount a case as Utah's MVP? No way. Nah, not nah, buying no that. No nah, it's it's just like I think Shaq said it the other day. He's like, no one cares about defense. Like, true. There's absolutely no way. I, oh, I, I care about defense. I mean, yeah. we all do, but there's <laughs> no way like over Donnie Mitchell. Or, like, that's just not going to happen. He's he is Utah. Utah go as Donnie Mitchell plays. I Pretty think, much, so. yeah. And it's really? gonna like you said in the playoffs last year. You know, they went to seven. Donnie Mitchell was doing things that we haven't seen since Jordan, mm-hmm. and they still couldn't get over the hump. So, yeah, I can see why uh, 
people would be believing them, myself included, but it might just equate to not much in the end. And they're definitely one of those teams, a lot like, I think we talked about the Mavs last week, or maybe we just talked about the Mavs. They just don't have anyone else. It's just that Portland Trailblazers, like Mo Harkless, Royce O'Neal, you're just like, who, like, whatever, dude. You're not a starting caliber player really in the NBA or no disrespect to Royce O'Neal you know he's a great rebounder but I'm not like jumping up and down about Royce O'Neal the way I jump up and down about a Dennis Schroeder or someone like that yeah that's a good segue the Dallas Mavericks are the next Mm. cabs off the rank I think we might have mentioned them before but uh yeah very in sync you must have read the show notes um we definitely talked about them personally because I watched portion of that Utah Mavericks game yesterday, day before. I lose uh, track. But regardless, they got spanked by Utah. Like, it wasn't even close. I think by the start of the second or early in the second quarter, they were down by like 25, and that's kind of where it hovered. But I'm still keen on what the Mavericks have depth-wise. Their supporting cast obviously isn't oozing with talent. But I think the biggest iffy for them, and probably alarm bells should almost be ringing, is that... Paul Zingas does not look like the same dude anymore. Even when he was at the Knicks, and I remember he scored like 30 or averaged 30 over the first like 12 games of the season or something. Might have been the year he did his knee. But he looked a bit more fluid, for lack of a better term, during that year. But yeah, he has not looked like the same dude at the moment. So you and I both selling our uh, Dallas Mavericks stock? Yeah, I was never on them. When you... You were keen on them when they got Josh yep. Richardson. Yep. Hand on heart, I was. Yeah, and I just I thought their depth wasn't there. Um, you know, they've got Jalen Brunson playing. I rate Jalen Brunson though. He's a great defender, national champ, I was like national was, player of the year. I was hoping you would just be quiet because that's just like enough said. They just you just can't go far in the NBA with guys like that. I like him. He's crafty, but. It's still, it's just not the same sort of caliber players the Lakers have top to bottom. Um, and so I, I'm not buying the Mavs. You're right about Porzingis. I got a bit of faith in him coming back. I shout hope out, so. But... Shout out to my Latvian brethren. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think it'll take a bit of time. Luca's 21, too. He might not eat. Yeah, I think he is 21. 21, now. yeah. He's like. They've got a decade, so there's no rush, and hopefully Cuban and whoever their GM understands that. But this is definitely not the Mavs here, in my opinion, anyway. You said it uh, at the start of that little uh, tangent. I was big on their supporting cast. I thought that, yeah, it is really Josh Richardson that I kind of believed in. Losing Seth Curry was a big L for them in the offseason, kind of one that I guess I didn't really take fully into consideration. Tim Hardaway Jr. is no scrub, but, like, He's about the only other one, like Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah, I had more faith in Dwight Powell, but like even then, you're like, think about the names I'm reeling off. Trey Burke. Like, yeah, they've lost five straight, and sticking with Porzingis, they uh, obviously traded a lot of their future firsts when they acquired him. So if the season ended today, the Knicks would take Dallas's pick and have the eighth best odds of winning the lottery. So they're not actually getting like able young bodies in to support them. So they're going to have to, either if they want to dip back into the draft, trade for picks. Well, luckily for Dallas is it's a big market. So they do generally attract pretty good free agents. That's true. There'd be some yeah, dudes that would want to play with Porzingis and especially Luca. obviously. You never know. Like, um, Victor Oladipo might really like Texas, but just want out of Houston, want to play next to 
Luca, if he thinks that's a better opportunity, like he's the sort of guy who might just push that squad up and you know, then you push Dorian Finney Smith to it's the true. bench, who's a good bench player. Yeah. He's just not a starter. If he wants to stay in Texas, he could also join the San Antonio Spurs. That's the next uh, team I'm going to talk about. Their rich history of just making the playoffs like 26 years in a row has kind of it got snapped, but then we kind of have just swept over the Spurs. Mm. I read a tweet after their latest win. They were actually sitting fourth in the West. So I was like, oh, Spurs are right up there. They've taken one more loss, and now they're back down to eight. Yeah. So... That gives you an idea of how squashed the standings still are at the moment. But, that being said, they are probably one of the deepest teams in the league. They've got eight dudes averaging double figures at the moment. They've kind of been boosted by the development that DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson's taken as well. But, what's your uh, two cents on the San Antonio Spurs? I got to watch them the other day. They played Denver um, and they touched Denver up. In San Antonio, mm. where De- apparently Denver hasn't won since like 2011 or yeah, something. Yeah, that is absurd. Like 26 straight tries, which I just don't understand that sort of stuff. But obviously, they got something good going there. I really love Keldon Johnson's game. Like, yeah. I, I said it to you after the game. Like, he is one of the best rebounding guards I've watched play. I only watched one game, and, and I was just like blown away with his tenacity and his like always at it. And I think that sort of is a bit of a testament to Pop. He's going to find those gems in the rough. And if they can sort of... It, they needed to get Tim Duncan with a number one pick. Or, and I think was Robinson a number one pick? Yeah, he was. Yeah, right. So they needed number one picks to get where they wanted to go. But they've got the other guys. I think they just need the one one more. Like DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, as much as I love both of them as players, aren't it anymore. Although DeRozan killed the Nuggets. Um, I, re- I really like Pop. I-, I think it's like a great organization. I think the culture is right there. I think they just need that one more player. And then, let's be honest, Pop's probably going to sort of like transition to Becky Hammond. Or yeah, Timmy D, something like that. But I-, I really like what they're doing. It's just, obviously, they don't they don't have the, the horses yeah. to sort of make the, the Yeah, he's race. definitely been a probably their biggest improver from rookie to sophomore year. He was... Kind of forget, he was like a five-star, oh, I kind of forgot, you had to point it out, was like a five-star recruit out of high school, went to Kentucky, like obviously another really good basketball program, and then got drafted by the Spurs. So being around those like great, again, basketball programs, I think he will only keep trending upwards. I haven't watched a ton of him, but DeJounte Murray, the other bloke, uh, second in the team for scoring at the moment, he's... Arguably one of my favourite players to watch, just because how he impacts the ball defensively, offensively. I think he's a huge dark. Not a great shooter, so he might not develop into like a superstar of the league, but he's the type of guy that I reckon you want running the show with someone like Damar, who's not too crafty on offence. I'm not so sure about Deontay Murray. I really liked him sort of in that draft class with Jamal. I'm pretty sure it's Jamal Murray's class. Sounds about right. Roughly that that draft class. And, like, obviously he does really well on 2K, <laughs> like lots of rebounds. So I, I like him. But having watched him the other day, I, I sort of wouldn't want him running my team. Although the good thing about the Spurs is they've never really had a traditional point guard anyway. That's so true, yeah. I do think Deontay probably needs to develop that shot if he does want to sort of, like, push the Spurs to that next level, even when that next person arrives. But um, obviously, I, I love the way he, you're right, he defends and he, he rebounds the ball pretty tenaciously as well. So you've got that from him and Johnson. 
shot makers from the bench and Paddy Mills and guys like that. So you just got to get that one more thing, uh, one more player. It's probably a, a big man, let's be honest. That yeah, you feel like they need... They just need Tim Duncan. They need Tim Duncan, yeah. Pretty hey, he's still there. I'm sure he could uh, dust off the, the old... Uh, I was going to say cleats, but that's not the right word. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, speaking of dust, he's uh, hasn't looked great so far this year for the Spurs. He and DeMar DeRozan, I wonder if a team would try and make a play at them would if you were running an nba franchise blank would you potentially look to see if you could pry either of them away because let's be honest the spurs are transitioning like patty mills shadow has played out of his mind this year but i think a lot of their other oldie older guys are probably on their way out would you want to bite on derozan or aldridge it really depends on the situation like you know if lamarcus aldridge goes to say the I just can't think of the rosters right yeah, now. Say can't. the Clippers, yep. that works really well, right? But if he's if you're trying to get him on the Grizzlies, Kings or something, yeah, that doesn't work at all. I think DeRozan still has plenty of. He's averaging twenty five and five. Like he's still an all star caliber player. He's just sort of gone from that big flashy sort of program um, up in well up in Toronto where they were winning and like, mm. they were sort of like the face of a of a country. Now he's down in like humble little San Antonio and like down with the at the Alamo with like understated coaches and understated program it's very like easy to see why he's forgotten there um but he's still balling I think he shot like 80% against the Nuggets the other day. really yeah yeah he had 30 points and 10 rebounds on like yeah on like 13 oh, well, shots I take back my uh comment that you don't want DeMar running the show. Yeah, Actually, he's, he's averaging a career high in assists this year as well, for what go. it's worth. So and he hit a bloody three against us. Like, oh, if that shit happens, you know it's just time to pack up. Um, next team we want to transition into, the Boston Celtics, the only East team that we're going to cover, because you were pretty high on the Celtics' start of the season. We had a chat about them. I can't even remember if it was on the pod, honestly. Too much, uh, too much basketball talk, but... I still wonder if there's enough there for them to get over the hump. They made the conference finals two of the last three years. They obviously took it to LA right up into the last couple of seconds today. Probably should have won the game. Kemba had a pretty decent look. But him struggling shooting-wise, I think he was one for 12 today, something like that, um, is a bit of a concern. And I've talked. we have talked about this on the pod now that I'm jogging my memory. Marcus Smart also suffered a calf strain, so... With the Celtics, would you think that sticking with what they've got to try and contend in the wet, in the East, it's worked for the last couple of years, should they go down that similar path? Or would you rather see them make a couple of tweaks to their roster? Because they've got a lot of, I don't know, through probably dudes 8 to 15, they've got a lot of young dudes that just aren't getting playing time. So if you could dangle one of them in a potential trade with a pick, we know Danny Ainge loves to pull a trigger. Do you reckon the Celtics should look at making a deal or stick with continuity? Hey, they could trade for LaMarcus Aldridge. That would work pretty that well. That would actually work pretty well. Um, I I reckon they can do it, especially given Philly looks great. Let's I, I won't take anything away from garbage Philly, who I thought sucked, but they're doing really well. Whether they hold that up or not, I'm not sure. They There's, might be the Utah of the East that just wins a shitload in the regular season and gets bounced early. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling, of, but I don't know why. They could prove us wrong. It's just deep in me gut, and they they absolutely might. Joel Embiid is at the moment. They're one, I think, and obviously Brooklyn are the other ones. Boston can definitely bank, or at least bet on Brooklyn's like uh, what's it, cohesiveness, not being shaky, not being there. Yeah, okay. Um, Even during like in the playoffs, particularly with the uh, the personalities there, and like Kyrie being a 
I don't know. It was I, a weirdo, anyway, yeah. yeah. We won't dive into that, but I think Boston definitely can. Tatum is a star. I, I am believing more and more what people say that he's like got the Kobe in him and that he probably is the next Kobe. Jalen Brown's a star, and he's – here's a stat because I know it's uh, – Monte Morris is shooting like the <laughs> most uh, – the highest percentage inside three feet of all guards in the NBA, like 86%, yeah, which that is, is just absurd. absurd. Shout out Monte Morris. Monte Morris, good on you. Jalen Brown is second, um, which is like a, such a good sign for a big guard. He's obviously like Again, taking the rack. And he's obviously taking advantage of like mismatches that he's getting. He's hitting points. I really love those two. Kemba will figure it out. And Brad Stevens is a wizard. So I'm back in Boston in big time. In fact... I'm going to probably put them as my number one, particularly Ooh, given they took... Over the Pacers, your, your favourites. <laughs> yeah, i tell you what. Your Miles love Turner, child. Miles Turner might win Defensive Player of the Year. That's well, it. on He's that, he was, against, uh, Rudy, he was uh, one of the ones um, in the off-season. They were kind of... I don't know how close to fruition it came, but there was a talk of maybe a Hayward for Turner swap, and he's actually someone who's... Name I got penciled down here. Oh, yeah. If you are oh, uh, potentially no, no, if you wanted to deal or swap Kemba, but I don't reckon you could get someone like Miles Turner anymore. Not so right now. No. Just going to hit you with two hypotheticals, and these are centered around trading away Kemba because again, I'm with you. Jason Tatum looks like arguably a top five future player in the NBA. Definitely a perennial All Star and All NBA cat. Jalen Brown will probably make four or five All Star teams the way he's trending. But, again, outside of those guys, I love Marcus Smart too, but outside of those guys, I don't know if they got enough. So if you were uh, running the Boston Celtics, Kemba is the key point in these deals. Would you look at a deal that nets you Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker? Throw in a couple of those other back-end roster fillers, maybe Time Lord from the uh, big man stocks, or you could go Tristan Thompson if they need contact. Robert Williams. Oh, okay. No, I, I like him. Yeah, I love Time Yeah, Lord. I love Time okay. Lord. Yeah, I wouldn't be trading Time Lord. Uh, I would say no to that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Miles Turner. Do you want, do you want some justification? No, nah, nah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I feel like the reason I've kind of picked those two is because, again, this is um, a little bit harping to what we were talking about with the Mavs, but there's some, yeah. I still have questions around the rest of Boston's supporting cast. I think that Brad Stevens can probably do enough to elevate those dudes and that's probably what you were going to transition into but I think that if you get someone like Gordon who's a spark plug 15 to 20 off the bench and you got PJ Tucker playing some good D and hitting corner threes that could elevate their potential championship ceiling I think PJ Tucker as I had him rated out of this category I think he slid back into the Mo Harkless category. Oh, okay. Get, I, that, Mo Poor Mo Harkless. Confident so, on this podcast. Mo, no, I think they're great players. They're just like, you were just like, oh, Portland's not winning. And yeah, Solomon yeah. Hill is the other one who jumps in. <laughs> he is the epitome <laughs> of just, uh, who the <laughs> Mo Harkless award. We might do that at the end of the year or something. All right, but I'll, no, I would not say that. And PJ Tucker, just not doing enough. I got one more for you then, because obviously we've talked, Miles Turner's uh, off the board, averaging four blocks a game. Yeah. The Pacers aren't dealing him. We talked about selling. I would take that deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We talked about selling Julius Randle last week. Now, if you're the Celtics, you talked about how LaMarcus might fit, but would you maybe make a dive at getting someone like Julius Randle? Would that be something that I might interest you? Yeah, that might interest me. It'd probably depend on the... the I would have to look at his contract and probably his... You know, I'd need the, the numbers in front of me, like the PERs and the efficiency stats... 
That might tempt me, and particularly depending on what else they got back. If you can snag, say, an Alec Burks yeah, okay. or something like that, then you've got my attention. Well, we've talked uh, last week. I told you why we should get rid of him. He's still averaging 22, 11, and 6. Yeah, he's a beast. Just, but beast. That's, those are pretty good numbers, I reckon, you could slot into that. Celtics outfit. The deal I reckon you could kind of, and I'll fire up the good old ESPN trade machine to see if this does work, but I was thinking you go down the route of dealing potentially Kemba and then say Tristan Thompson and you okay. get back Julius Randle and then you could have what you said, get an Alec Burke types or something like that. Yeah, as long as you're getting some extra depth, you're right. I, I, I sort of see where you're coming with the, the, sorry, the, uh, the bench depth and mm. stuff like that, particularly because there are some younger guys who feel like they're rotting away a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of what prompted me to have this thought and this discussion. I'm like, ah, oh, Romeo Langford, like I think some other dudes like Aaron Newsmith and like those guys are getting more time. But if you're going to try and go for it, considering like where their players are and where they are roster-wise, I reckon that's probably the route you go down. Tristan Thompson, for what it's worth, can't be traded until February 5th, so if I had have waited until uh, the next week's Sunday sit-down, that would have been perfect. Damn, neither can Alec Burks. <laughs> Kemba at the moment is making 34 mil, and Julius Randle's making 18.9. Yeah, so I would definitely take that. There'd need to be uh, some finagling to make that work, but again, throw in a couple of those other back-end dudes, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Semi Ojale, Carson Edwards, Taco Fall. Well, actually, they're not traded. Darko for. Yeah. But you I get like, what I mean? I like, like, there's a lot of those Grant guys. Too. I really like him. Well, some of them are actually playing pretty good for the Celtics now. Like I said, Brad Stevens is pretty good at like getting the most out of dudes. That's kind of shown to fruition throughout his coaching tenure thus far. But yeah, I'm still a little bit questionable of Boston. I'd love to see them make one more move. I think that the feel I get from Boston is that they're a system basketball team with two stars. Yeah. Like right. two elite bucket get you could even argue Kemba's a bit of an elite bucket getter. If he hits that shot today, we're talking very differently about Kemba. True. Right? It's very true. So I think uh, yeah, Boston, let's go boys. Boston out of the East against Denver in the West. That's one. That would be a hell of a finals. It'd be a great finals. Yeah, they do have some uh, walking buckets on that Celtics outfit. Arguably, the bloke that is the biggest walking bucket in the league, Bradley Beal, has been in uh, pretty dire straits the last couple of weeks. He not spat it in the press conference, but (laughs) the opening question one of the dudes hit him with was, "Oh, Brad." Are you frustrated right now? Is the sky blue? (laughs) He is really not happy. From what I can gather over the last 48 hours or so, despite all these 40-plus games and L's that the Wizards are copying, doesn't seem like the Wizards are looking for a Bradley Beal trade at the moment, and I don't think Bradley Beal wants out either. That could very well change before the deadline, especially if Westbrook continues to tank and looks shithouse. Both Los Angeles teams, it was reported today, want in to get Bradley Beal, but... There's no way that they've got enough picks to try and facilitate a trade. Off the dome, I've got a couple of scenarios, so I can take lead if you want. But if you wanted to see Bradley Beal somewhere, have a think about where, A, you might want, if you were Bradley Beal, to land, or B, what team could potentially workshop a deal. Um, The Sacramento Kings, I don't think Bradley Beal would want to go to. (laughs) Yeah, not the shake of your head says it all. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were one of the teams that could come and offer the best package. Obviously, if you're a wizard, you're asking for like Tyrese Halliburton, but they've also got Marvin Bagley, who's been f- white, waving the white flag, asking to be traded since true, that is true, like yeah. a did, year ago. Did Fox also 
asked for that the other day? Or am I just making a Bagley trade? It was two. No, they both asked to be get out of there, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard from the Darren Fox Maybe standpoint, that was but Maybe that was potentially. But still, even if uh, I feel like you'd want to get Beal to pair him with Darren Fox, but obviously if Fox wasn't want to be there, that could be a uh, whole new can of worms. But and- and you also wonder with the Sacto one and the De'Aaron Fox pairing, is that just a John Wall 2.0? Didn't really work. You know, they seem like almost the same player. Yeah, um, that's true. Maybe, Fox does have a lot of similar traits to John Wall. Yeah, maybe pro- like prime John Wall, if there ever was one. I don't know. It's a weird question. Yes, yeah. But um, you do wonder if that would work. And I, and I don't know. It's, uh, it's a bit of a tricky one. You're the Kings, though, and you come armed with, say, Marvin Bagley... Be elite, so to make the contracts work, and you throw in Buddy Heald with two future firsts. That I don't know who else is trumping that trade offer right now. So yeah. I would not want to go to Sacramento if I'm Bradley Beal. Don't think he'll want to uh, push for a trade to Sacramento, but that's just one team that intrigues me. It you just, got another one off the dome? Well, I just oh, want yeah, to finish my thought on that one. Actually, it just seems like if Sacto did that, you'd be like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah. Where's this going? Um, it would just be a real nothing trade. Like, that's why the that's, Sacramento Kings would do it. <laughs> that's why the Sacramento Kings exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to make these boneheaded deals. Yeah. For Bradley Peel to go from the Wizards of the East to the Kings in the West just sat two shit kicking squads. <laughs> Probably the two worst squads in each. Arguably. Yeah. Shout um, out to Minnesota. Yeah, Timberwolves. Timberwolves would be on the jump to mine. Uh, I guess if I was Brad Peel, I'm, I'm looking to go to a great program. So. Mm. I could see a world where he tries to get to Greg Popovich. Yep, that okay. makes a lot of sense. Um, or otherwise, it's got to be one of the contenders. I feel like you could maybe get him to Milwaukee somehow. I'm not sure how that would work. You'd probably have to wait for Drew Holiday to be tradable and then trade him or something like that. Because you wouldn't want to flip Middleton, I don't reckon. You'd want Beal, Middleton and Giannis. It's, it's a tricky one. It's a tough one. Yeah, there's no obvious answer. But I, I, if I'm Brad Beal, that's where I'm looking to go. Probably stay in the east because the west, top to bottom, is like really deadly. That's a good point. Full of superstars. At least staying in the east um, kind of makes a lot of sense in terms of like I'll probably get somewhere. I'll probably push a finals or a west east finals. Sorry. Um, yeah, I would be hesitant if I'm Brad Beal to head out west. That's for sure. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, trade scenario number two. Oh, yeah. We've talked about uh, this bloke before as well in last week's podcast. How about, and I've got to admit I stole this straight from Bill Simmons, but how about a Devin Booker for Bradley Beal straight swap? Oh, uh, Because yeah. we talked about how Booker hasn't been struggling in inverted commas, but he hasn't looked the same with Chris Paul in uniform. He's been pretty empty in his other stat categories other than just getting 25 to 30 points a night. DeAndre Ayton seems like he's taken another step up, so the Suns are right poised there to make some noise. I don't know if flipping Beal for Booker, honestly, I, I don't know who would win that trade, but I the feel like a fresh start could benefit both of them. Uh, yeah, I sort of I see where you're going with that. Not a bad idea. The Suns would absolutely be the winners. I would pull that trade in a second if I'm the Suns. Yep. Although it does sort of change their timeline in a weird way. It accelerates it a little bit, you feel. Yeah, I guess, but maybe it takes them to where they need to be with Chris Paul at this point in his True. career. Um, yeah, I, I'm just like probably the biggest Devin Booker hater in the. I just think he's like. I knew you'd be happy to. Uh, I think he's no CD good. book yeah, get I'm shipped. telling you, I'm telling you, he's no good. It's just like an attitude thing, and it might change. Like that's the. Luckily, he's in control of that. He'll yeah. just grow up a bit. But like the way it's going, he's just like 
my least favourite player in the league. So He's, uh, for what it's worth, Sportsby fans, he has uh, jawed out and gone at Denver a couple of times, so uh, I can see why you would hate him. He's Again, he hasn't had the greatest year either, so... Yeah, and you know, like, have you seen... Seems that? a bit smug, like a bit cocky. Have you seen that video of him in the off-season, like, when he gets double-teamed by Joe Kim Noah, and he's like, oh, stop it. Like, Is that when they're playing the pick-up in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come off it, dude. Like, who are you? Yeah, he's just... I'm just not a fan of him. Put him in the same basket as uh, Ben Simmons. So I don't think the Sixers would trade for Bradley Beal, but how does that one interest you? Ben, oh yeah. I a deal centred around those two. I mean, obviously you'd probably have to do some other shit. I don't know who would ask Wizards, for more. Wizards would be winning that, yeah. I think. Or like, although, again, that might just sort of open it up and just go like, Philly, we are winning it this year. And I might back them to win it with the, the roster they got, especially if you're adding like a, the league leading uh, league leader in scoring. And he's probably going to get better looks because he's got more weapons. Than yeah, true. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds good. Although I'm not a Ben Simmons hater. I just, I just am like, what, what are you doing, dude? Like, I why am, haven't you got better? I am quickly, and I apologise to my uh, Australian brother, but I am very quickly becoming a Ben Simmons hater. A hater, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been teetering on the edge probably since this time last year. And I haven't been a hater. I'm just not a huge fan of how he goes about it. But the more I see of him, the more I'm like, nah, I am all out on Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I've definitely seen some things that I didn't like. But, you know. Don't get me wrong. He's like an all-NBA talent and, like, could contend for MVPs. But, yeah, I don't know if you can win a hell of a lot with him. He's definitely got a higher ceiling than Devin Booker if he sort of reaches that potential. But they both need to get their asses into gear and work a bit harder. This is true. All right, uh, I have the dream trade scenario, and I'm not going to reveal... Have you got another one up your sleeve before I drop it? Uh, I'm assuming... Is it like a Denver Nuggets one? Nah. Uh, dream. Nah, because no, we've I been through this. You don't want to trade Michael Porter Jr., and all these people keep consistently saying that it's the right idea for Denver and this, that, and the other, but I'm sticking even in division for this one. Oh. I reckon the best case scenario for Bradley Beal is he goes to the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. I would love to see him next to Trey Young and just, granted, you're probably not getting too many stops, but they could combine for like 70 to 80 points a night. Obviously, there's pretty other talented dudes on that Atlanta roster, so I reckon you could... Even I wouldn't want to part with someone like DeAndre Hunter, but you could probably dangle a Cam Reddish or Nyeke Okongwu, the bloke they drafted sixth this year. Like A couple of those prospects... And then Bogey or Gallinari's contract, if you needed to match it. Throw in a couple of picks. I reckon that Brad Beal to Atlanta would be a great trade. I think it would be a great trade for Atlanta. I couldn't see the Wizards taking what you sort of threw up their back. Um, And I guess the one problem I would have that potentially if I'm Atlanta, I don't feel like Trey can really exist with a high-volume scorer next to him in the backcourt. I think if he's if he's playing with a dominant scoring mm. big man like a I don't know a Tim Duncan or something like John that, John Cole, uh, yeah, you know he's getting there. <laughs> okay, I think that could work. A guy needs the ball in his hands less, but like Trey Young is a huge usage rate. Like he, I, I would predict that he would lead the NBA in like possessions or what it touches. Um, so that would be concerning. But yeah, it could work. Yeah, These are all, you never know. These it are all hypotheticals, really well, obviously. And like I said, there's no indication that either player nor team wants to pull a trigger. But 
you know, can't uh, can't hurt to just brainstorm when this thing, well, you know, if he does put out that he wants a trade, at least we've now got the uh, got the content covered. Got four four teams that he will potentially go to. Yeah. Don't think he can land on uh, all of them, but if you, uh, yeah, no, you can't. If you <laughs> if you um, you were Bradley Beal, like money and picks and trade and nothing aside. Where would you be like, right, I want to play for that team. I'm going to slot right in, like, given the rest of their personnel. Maybe there's a, I don't know, another bloke that you feel like he could take that team's place. You said maybe he wants to join a contending team or a great franchise. Obviously, that would be the best case scenario, but probably won't go to the Houston Rockets and team up with John Wall again. But where, if you were Bradley Beal, would you be like, my number one trade destination is? Uh, Indiana in the east. Probably Denver in the West. Yeah, I mean, okay. like any chance? Of, I was going to say Denver. Any chance as a guard to play with Nick Jokic? I think you would take it. Like you just know you're getting good shots. It doesn't make sense with Jamal Murray and stuff. But well, would you whatever. start Monte Morris and trade Jamal for Bradley Beal? Oh man, I would consider that. That's a, that's an interesting one. I would think about it's a spicy meatball. I don't think Brad Beal's as good a three point shooter as he gets credit for um, okay. as a, as a Brad Beal owner. In fantasy this year, probably gets a lot of like tough defensive assignments thrown at him, yeah. being the best bucket in the league. But I think um, the one that would make like would be perfect is definitely even with uh, Karis LeVert going there, uh, Indiana next to Sabonis. Brogdon's a great point guard, and he's playing like a bloody great point guard. Yeah, he is. He's got depth off the bench, potential defensive player of the year in the center. Um, man, and to be honest. The closest thing to Jokic in the NBA is probably Sabonis. Probably. Uh, yeah, that's a fair call. Just like it's Or Julius Randle. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you never know. I, I did sort of think Brad Beal to New York, because then at least New York has one of their stars that they've always wanted, and then they just hopefully can pull something off in free agency or who knows. It would be what. interesting to see uh, how the Knicks go. Yeah. Brad Beal next to RJ uh, Barrett would be very interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I could subscribe to that. I would, uh, again, I would be interested to see where Brad Beal lands, but Atlanta slash Denver is my two dream Uh, scenarios. Yeah, I like the Atlanta one. I do just worry about trade. I get that. All right, uh, this would be very brief. We've chewed up 36 minutes of basketball talk, but wanted to go through the quarter mark NBA season awards. So it's now actually gone past, I think we're at near 20, or near 30% of the league completed are the season completed it's hard but to tell with all the like the COVID games yeah it's thrown it a bit out of whack and like a 72 game season like we were saying before we're like oh is that like 45 wins is now great <laughs> like yeah but I think honestly like at the moment this probably won't stay chalk but most of the awards are pretty easy to pick so I'm just going to run through what I put out as my awards the other day and tell me if you disagree with any of them so the MVP at the moment a lot of people are hitching their wagon to Joel Embiid, but I still think LeBron is in the box seat and deserves to be so. Defensive Player of the Year, I already talked about Rudy Gobert. Rookie of the Year, I think I'm siding with Tyrese Halliburton, maybe because I'm a little bit biased, but he and Lamelo, you could flip a coin. Counting today's game. Had 20 and 10, essentially, Lamelo. Yep, still uh, counting today's okay, game. Yep. Right. yep, still be, I feel like Halliburton's having more of an impact okay. on the court and, like... Like, Borrego just kind of ripped Lamelo a new one the other day. Like, yeah, if you're getting five turnovers in 16 minutes, you're not going to get a boost. So, yeah, there's the first one we half disagreed on. Mm. Uh, sixth man of the year is Jordan Clarkson. 
I honestly can't even think of any other contenders right now. Nor can I. I would. Ha- that's one I would have to really crunch the numbers on. But trust me, me he's, playing he's the best bloke off the bench at the moment. The roof, yeah. um, and then when you get to most improved, you could throw a blanket over four or five different dudes. But I sided with Jeremy Grant yeah. just purely because he has seemingly improved the most. These numbers that Christian Woods putting up, if you go back and look, and I'm sure I've talked about this before as well. Over the last like eleven games that he started in Detroit, he actually put up near identical numbers to what he's doing this year in Houston. So he did technically take his make his improvement last year in my eyes. Um, and lastly, coach of the year, I was a little bit biased and wanted to give it to JB Bickerstaff, so I tied it in with him and Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks because the Knicks are playing really hard right now. We trashed him a little bit, saying that we don't think they're going to hold on to a playoff spot and. As we do transition into uh, talking about some other bits and pieces, I don't think that the Knicks will be uh, hanging around for long. Who is coaching Indiana? Oh, you're testing me. Nate, I'm going to butcher this. Brocken, Brockchin, something like that. He's the dude who was um, basically Nick Nurse's right-hand man when Nick Nurse was having all his success in the G League. He was an assistant with the Raptors when they won a chip uh, last, not last year, the year before last, so... Yeah, don't know how to pronounce his last name, okay. Brockton, Brockton, something like that, but Nate, something. Yeah, I think uh, I'll go reverse order since it's just fresh in my mind. Uh, Quinn Snyder for Coach of the Year. Okay, can't argue. Reasons. And yeah, like we sort of said, we don't think they've got the players to be the number one seed and sort of move through the playoffs, but they're doing it. So to through the quarter mark, I've got to give it to them, especially on the like, lemon game win streak. We've got most improved next. Yeah. Christian Wood for me, even though he did make the jump last year, um, I just think he's he's genuinely improved. I feel like, like we said, Jeremy Grant just went to the worst team in the league, arguably, maybe the worst franchise in the league. Very possible. Um, just to put up points. Cause he, and he even said that I want a bigger offensive uh, role and like, congrats, dude, you're scoring 25 points a game on the worst team. <laughs> on a 15-win team. Um, so I'm going Christian Wood because it's... I mean, even though they were going a bit weird, they had a Houston's had a strange start to the year, so I'll sort of back back him in. Big numbers. Uh, what have we got next? Six man. I'll back uh, your man in. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Even though, man, he can fill it up. Uh, yeah, and he's also on that uh, superstar jazz team. Uh, I think Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. Although I think uh, Miles Turner will end up winning it because oh okay, he's playing some of the best defense of scene from a big man considering like he's guarding like guarding the perimeter really well like he's actually one of the best defenders in the league um kind of like a 2k player we might have once made um <laughs> what have we got left mvp is that the last one yeah from memory our rookie of the year oh. we kind of hashed over a bit you would yeah. side with lamello and rookie of the year yeah i, I would go with lamello like despite his his sort of efficiency was. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's a bloody rookie. Like, what do you expect from me? Like, he didn't play college year. He's sort of had a weird little run into his NBA career. Um, so I, I'm going with uh, Lamelo, particularly because he's you know I think by the end of the season he's going to be going. Crazy. He is a uh, playmaking freak. Interesting. Charlotte Hornets averaged the most assists uh, as a team in the NBA this year, and I, he is a definite factor in that. Big time, big time. And obviously, is it Borrego there? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he's a Euro coach, isn't he? 
Yeah, I'm sure he from, oh, I think he was at the Spurs as well for a chunk of yeah, time. Yeah, he was there for, I thought he coached from in the EuroLeague as well. Um, you know, those sort of guys are unreal. But MVP, I, oh man, it's hard. I think <laughs> I think LeBron and AD, I will, I will admit, are really detracting from one another. Okay. Um, so I, I think I'm going with Joel Embiid, even though my heart wants to say Nicky Oak. Damn it. Yeah. I want LeBron to win his fifth, and I'm going to try and talk it into existence. Yeah, look, I, I so want LeBron to win his fifth, and I really don't want... <laughs> for some reason, I just don't like Philly and what they're doing, and, like, you know, I think I didn't like oh, some mate, of... Oh, mate, we not. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think I didn't like some of their attitude from yeah, okay. Joel Embiid when he was younger, and obviously Ben Simmons is a bit of a, a weird situation, mm. but I think he might get it, and, and well-deserved, because he's playing unbelievably like what did he have the other day like 37 and 15 or something yeah some bullshit massive like beastly numbers we stuck with uh plenty of stats so i will dig up the useless sports by fry stat in a minute but as i uh do that i wanted to just inform you that uh, the other potential sixth men of the year candidates include terence ross Mm. who's played 19 games and scored uh around 15 points um, Goran Dragic has only played nine games off the bench, but technically he's uh, in the mix. Um, who else am I looking at? Paddy Mills. Yeah. And it starts to dry up a bit. Any of these other dudes have only played under five games. Derek Rhodes, Shake Milton, Boucher's coming off the pine. He might be one to watch. You know who might win it? It might be Michael Porter Jr. by the end of the year if he stays. Well, hard to argue. Wilbury stays on the bench, so that might uh, come through. Yeah, this useless uh, SBF stat is definitely worth digging up now that I've found it. So, Joel Embiid is the third player in 76ers history to average 35 and 10 over a five-game span. Can you guess the other two? 76ers. Uh, Is it Chuck? Yep. Moses? Nah. Uh, Is it a real random? Nah, it's an arguably top 10 dude. Julius? Nah. Uh, oh, God. Uh, AI? Think lots of points in one game. Oh, Wilt. Yeah. Oh, shit. yeah Wilt, Ch- oh, no. Wilt, Chuck, and Joel have the only dudes that average 35 and 10 over a five-game stretch. So he's getting plenty of buckets, which yeah. was not a knock on Joel Embiid before that. But, yeah, he's the offense is running through him, and they are clearly succeeding as a result. All righty. 45 minutes of NBA chat. Gotta love that. Uh, This might be a long podcast because now we're talking AFL fantasy. Obviously, I put the call out to a couple of people to hit me up with their questions. A lot of them are AFL fantasy orientated, so that'll probably be what we do the back half of this segment on with a little bit of a Super Bowl teaser. But I want to kind of run through just our teams. We've talked a little bit. You didn't have your team up in front of you from memory the last time we talked about our teams. We did skim through... Some of the most popular dudes, other guns, etc., etc. But I dropped my uh, large fries and coke 1.0 edition to social media today, so I want to just compare and see how many of the same blokes we've got and how we're kind of spending our money. So, ready, Rob? Let's do it. All right, I'm starting defense. Uh, my back line has not changed a ton since fantasy opened. I got Jakey Lloyd, Zach Williams, and Sam Doherty as the big three, with Wayne Miller, Hayden Young, and Isaac coming at the moment. Will Gould and Lockie Jones, who will get a, a little bit of a mention later on, are uh, running out my bench. How many of those guys have you got? 
Uh, I was not even listening. Okay, just tell us your team then. That's all right. I've got I've I've, my back line is pretty good. I don't have Lloydy. I've got Hayden Young, who I know you have. Do you have Robin and Stu? No, because he is taking an indefinite leave from football. Fantastic. Well, I'll chop him out. I've gone pretty weird and different in the back line. I've got some of the you know basement rookies who will chop in and out. Come round one, depending yeah. on who's named, but I'm liking Brody Smith, particularly with Crouch out of the guts. Yeah, okay. I feel like it's probably him or Laird who gets pushed. It's up. funny you say that because Laird was the other bloke that I had in instead of Sam Doherty, right. and I still think that he is like arguably top one defender status. Like if he's playing in the midfield, useless uh, stat number two. He averaged 27 disposals from the last seven games last year in shortened quarters. Just wow. think about that. That's pretty unreal, um, and I like. I'm probably Laird. sorry, just derailed you. No, that's all right. I start. I start with Laird in my team most years, and then he. Well, I think last year he exited, but um, you can't go wrong. I guess I like what Brody Smith does role wise, um, and I can see him getting plenty of footy through the sort of off the flanks and yeah. through the middle. I can picture him kind of dashing through the middle yeah, of the ground really as you say that. Through. I, you never know what you're going to get from Adelaide, but I've rolled with Brody Smith. Yeah. I like Luke McDonald's end to last year, and I've had him in my side uh, in 2018. And like he was like the first bloke I picked because I was just like, he's, you know, I think he's a gun. I don't recognise ever <laughs> Luke McDonald yeah, in no, my fantasy side. You know, in 2018, he was a bit of a flop for me. But back end of last year, love what he was doing, particularly kicking in a lot. Um, mm. North Melbourne are going to get scored against plenty. Um, so Luke McDonald's in mind for the moment. Um, and I love Isaac Quainer. I mean, it all depends on role for him. But if he's sort of playing through the guts, like I think he should be um, come sort of those preseason games, I'll be rolling with Isaac because I think he's just like an elite footballer. And then, like I said, Hayden Young and then just random rookies. Yeah, the game. Isaac Quainer one's probably the one that interests me the most out of your back line. Uh, I can definitely... Uh, subscribe to seeing him thrive. Just giving you some uh, Lukey McDonald digits. How old do you reckon uh, that fella is? Uh, I know he's about our like a slightly younger than us, maybe. He turns twenty six next week. Yeah, so yeah, right in that age that we love to talk about. Uh, had three scores over one hundred and fifteen last year in shortened footy. So, and then I'm even looking at it now. He had a fifty six in the last month, but aside from that, he didn't go under seventy for the last like eight games of the year. So, yeah. I get it. Did have. 39, 49, 29, which really dragged his price down, but oh, priced at, oh, hang on, top of the head. Yeah. What is his price, actually, Luke uh, McDonald? It is 692. I think the thing okay. to remember okay. with Luke McDonald is you just never, you didn't know what was happening with North Melbourne, and probably he didn't. You, and you feel like, hopefully, well, what I'm banking on is his back of the year performance is kind of what's going to be going on going forward, because he was really good. He like, was, He was yeah. really good. All right, let's go into the midfield. Uh, Here we go. Quick one that I... Yeah, you love the midfield. And it's very interesting watching you build your midfield every preseason. Definitely one of my January, February highlights. Uh, I've stuck with a pretty traditional format. I've got three rookies on the ground. Four if you include uh, Matty Rowell, but you don't. Trelaw, Josh Kelly and Taranto are the big three. If I had to rank them in order of job security, as in not getting cut this preseason... I'm putting Taranto number one, Josh Kelly number two, and I'm still a little iffy on Trelaw, but I said it to you today, out of all of the Bulldogs midfielders and all their talent, 
I have the least concerns of Adam Trelaw putting up fantasy numbers. So We've said it year after year. Like, come the end of the year, you want him in your midfield. You know, once you've sort of filled up your side, yeah. Adzi Trelaw should be in your midfield at Collingwood, and it's going to be the same this year. And that's pretty much a route. I'll talk about the forwards in a sec, but that's the route I've kind of gone down with my first picked bloke in every position. I'm like, right, will this bloke roll the dice and be in serious contention for the top scorer in that position? I think, yep, so I'm going to start with him. Um, filling out the midfield, I've got Jackson Hately, the bloke that came over from the Giants that I crapped on last week. Will Phillips and Tom Power, the North rookies that are pretty popular, and Archie Perkins, who's an Essendon X factor in my opinion. Two 170k blokes on the bench. What you got? Uh, Radio. So started with Clay Toss McOliver. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm pretty sure I picked him the last two years and traded him out after round one <laughs> the last two years, and then he's gone on to have great years. Yeah. exactly what I expected. Do you trade him to like Rockcliffe or I something traded, one year? Yeah, Rockcliffe one year because I just wanted to make the money. Yeah, um, right. As, you know, I was being a bit of a fine. I've got a finance degree, everyone. So you know, that's who I am. Um, he was my first. Pick. I reckon that's uh, three podcasts in a row. You mentioned that. Eh? Oh, have I? Seen no, it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I've got a finance degree, but I can't remember the numbers. <laughs> uh, Josh Kelly is our similar player, I guess. He's got the big C on right at the moment. Nice. Uh, Natty Fife. Oh, and by the way, I've just I filled my midfield up, guys. So it's Josh Kelly, Nat Fife, Clayton Oliver, Tom Mitchell, Walshy. I think <laughs> I'm hoping he goes. <laughs> Those five are just ridiculous. Eh? I'm hoping he has like another. He, he didn't really here. jump last year, but I'm... I Not guess a ton, I'm, eh? I guess I'm hoping it happens this year. Um, Dominic Sheed, who I've talked about on the pod before, uh, and then rounding it out with Matty Rao, uh, who's just obviously must-have property. So your eighth midfielder? No, he's my seventh. And then oh. Brandon Parfit is oh, the last bloke. That's right. Because I, I don't know if we talked about him on the pod, but I think Selwood's moved out to a wing, Duncan's getting old, Guthrie's... Actually, I don't know if he's getting old, but he feels like he's been around. He does, eh? Menengola is not the same as he was a few years ago. Danger's banged up. Parfit is going to be almost a lock for the center snaps, Um, and I reckon he's going to have a big year. And he's sort of that. He's few of my one of my underpriced options. So that's where I'm rolling. And then just two uh, bench rookies. I'll deal with that later. Yeah, you started to hype up Brandon Parfit on the. uh, I think it was the first sit down. We kind of went through some blokes that you like the looks of. I gave Taranto massive raps. Um, for what it's worth, Walshy averaged and adjusted 96 last year, and it was 92 in his rookie year. So you're right, didn't take that leap, but there's every chance he averages 105, 110 this year. Yeah, and I, you just hope, for, I hope for Carlton's sake, Carlton takes a bit of a step. You know, like it might free up Cripsy, who's obviously always going to get like so yeah. much attention, but you sort of see the Dows and the Fishers and the Martins sort of hopefully coming and getting this crap together. Jackie Martin must be about 25, 26, eh? Probably right in the ballpark, I, think I reckon. Was, I think he's a year younger than me, so there you go. Maybe he's 26. That checks but, out. Yeah, that's sort of the way I'm, I'm going with it, and I, I hope Walsh can do his thing, mate. Don't hate it. If I uh, had the balls... Well, not even the balls, but I had the uh, ability to roll the dice with as many powerful midfielders as you do... Oh, pff, Sorry. Jack Martin turned 26 on Friday. <laughs> um, shout out. Happy birthday, Jack Martin. Yeah, good, Jack. But, um, yeah, I, lo- I don't hate the idea of just loading up in the guts because we always say it. That's where the most points are. There's always a bit of randomness around the forward and the mid, uh, the forward and the defense. And then you always see, like, 
I don't know, for lack of a better example, steel side bottom getting forward status last year. You know, then you obviously want to plug him in. So there's always dudes that throughout the year put their hand up Emerge. as like top forward and defender trade targets. But yeah, if you can lock in, what was that? Reel that top five off to us again. Kelly, Fife, Oliver, Mitchell, Walsh. I guess Mitchell's got a bit of a... And then Raul as well in that mix. That's yeah. like five to six, like pretty solid hundreds, I reckon. And that's, I guess, the way I'm looking at it. I look at the forward line this year. Um, I feel like it's the thinnest crop they've given us in a while. I don't yeah, know I I'm, that every year. No, nah, I'm a bit with you in that regard. There's a lot of people who I've kind of been interacting with on socials that are like, oh, yeah, I've got this bloke or this bloke, and I just keep shaking my head. Like, I'm just not confident in arguably any of you. Even the one who I was the most confident in is, I think, Zorko, and I'm not that confident in him. Nah, he is such a rollercoaster. He'll like, he's the vice captain of those Tim Taranto scores. He'll get you a 50 and then a yeah. 70, and you're like, oh, it's still 105. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah. Um, the Rucks. I am gearing less and less to pick and braid and Pruce. However, I'm sure by the time preseason kicks up and the Giants are like, he's got to be our lead guy. I'll be back on the wagon. But he is still in my team at the moment and Grundy is holding down the first ruck spot. But after listening to uh, the Traders' latest podcast, I'm somewhat interested in Toby Nan Curvis. When he's not playing with Ivan Soldo, um, I can't remember off the dome, but he averages around 85 and with Soldo is about 15 or 20 points less. So he's getting on in age, but if the Tigers are going to be gunning for another premiership and he's going to be one of the ones doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the ruck, he's only 556 grand, which is an average of 80. So I don't know if he can go up a lot from that, but only played seven games. So I think technically he's priced at a bit of a discount. I have a hunch he got hurt in some game or two last year. There you go, break-even of 73. So okay. might average around that. Not a ton of love for anyone else other than Grundy, Pruce, and a little bit of Nank at the moment. Who's in uh, your two ruck slots? Yeah, I, we've been talking a bit about the ruck slot uh, over the week, and I was uh, trying to go neither Grundy or Gorn, yep. and sort of maybe go Marshall and uh, Lysette or just something like that. I, I hadn't really thought this that one through yet and I probably still have put very little hey, we've got mental 45 days mate well that's it I figure I've got time but what I will say is that thinking in that same sort of vein of who's going to give me the most value and who has the most upside I think I've been a little bit down on Brody Grundy after the year he had mm. uh, given how good he was in 2018 yeah um, so but the league in fantasy points yeah and I th- I think he's probably arguably still the best fantasy player on his day. So I reckon I'm probably going to roll with a slightly underpriced Brody Grundy. Yep. Um, and then it's I've got no money left at the moment, so I've sort of slotted Bailey Williams in at my second spot, hoping that he sort of backs up Nick Knapp pretty nicely, especially given West Coast seemed to do like quite a 50-50 split with the backup Ruckman. I feel like they kind of, not have to, but given oh, yeah. how Nick Nat, like impacts the game in bursts, that's oh, definitely yeah. a smart tactic for them. They traded away Tom Hickey in the yeah. off-season as well. That's what I don't they, know what you would know better than I. What's Nathan Vardy's situation? You know, he's just there. Yeah, um, okay. I feel like they're probably starting to look and think, is you know, is Vardy the one? He's, old, he's just as old as Nick Nat, I'm pretty sure. So I reckon... They started to blood Bailey at the end of last year, and I think they might just continue to roll with him as the backup option because he can jump through the bloody roof. Yeah, he's got huge leap. 
Uh, I think he's he's a, a really good backup forward option, you know, while he's resting. So I could see him playing a lot of minutes. Um, and I'm just going to go with him at the moment. It'll change before round one, I've got no doubt. But I'm just not particularly interested in anyone else in the in the ruck sort of division, mm. given that Steph Martin went to the Bulldogs. Yeah, right. Yeah. At 271 grand, you might even want to consider the idea of plugging Bailey Williams onto your bench. A lot to cough up, but... Oh, yeah. The people who picked Riley O'Brien in his rookie year know how successful and how much of a masterstroke that can pay yeah, off to be. Laddams have a huge bloody increase last year. Too. Well, Naismith and um, there was a couple of blokes that kind of went through that. Oh, it was Mark Pitternet was the one I'm thinking of from Carlton. There was a couple of those guys who, yeah, people would have rolled with three deep almost in the rucks. And then, um, especially because Williams has ruck forward status. Another ruck forward, Rowan Marshall, does intrigue me and... Riley O'Brien was the one, I had him as my second ruck last year. Regretted nothing, averaged 108 adjusted, but I don't know if he's going to improve from that number a ton. All right, quickly chewing through the forward line uh, as we approach the one hour mark. I did have Paddy Dangerfield slotted in at number one in my forwards, but it's going to take a lot of convincing for me to go back and pick him because I've currently subbed him out for steel side bottom. Break even of 111, but as you just alluded to, I don't love a lot of the other forward dudes. Zorko, not my cup of tea. Uh, Dunkley, not my cup of tea. 97 is what he's priced at, and he could go up to 105, but watch this space. I feel like he's an upgrade target. Dusty, you know, you get you know what you're getting with Dusty. I don't think he's going to return to his Brownlow year where he put up like 115 points. So, yeah, there's not a lot of meat on the bone for the forward premium. So I've coughed up for Sidey. The perennial F2, Tom Phillips, resides in that spot. Jaden Stevenson, along with Lance Franklin, and then a couple of rookies in Jamara Hagen and Braden Campbell from the Swans. Again, two 170K blokes rounding it out. And good old Joshy Worrell is my uh, utility. Defender forward from Adelaide, who was, from memory, a top 20, maybe even first-round pick last year. Trent Burgoyne's mine, because he's a name I reckon. <laughs> so, if he plays round one... Oh, he won't stay there. Nah, I'll switch him that around. would just be hilarious. Be like, I'm picking him if he gets picked round one. Yeah, All uh, right, reel off your, uh, your forward line. Uh, look, I've... This is probably where, like I said, I'm the least confident in in, in any of the players. Um, in fact, I don't know if I would consider... The only bloke I would consider maybe a premium up forward is Dunkley. Um, yep. Or Zorko, if he is the Zorko that we love from, what, three years ago or whatever. Um, but I'm rolling with Connor Rosie at the moment. I think he's sort of... Yeah, don't hate that. He's such a superstar. Port's engine room is a... Well, actually, I guess they're pretty set, but, you know, Rocky's getting older. Robbie Gray's not in there anymore. I still, I feel like there's the, there's designs for Connor Rosie to start to run through that, that area, and I love him. Uh, Tommy Phillips, number two. And then I get pretty thin. I go, I've gone Jamara. Um, Oi. I've got Will Kelly up there. I've got... I, I just grabbed uh, Cockatoo. Now he's yep. changed teams. He's up in Brizzy, um, and I reckon he might sort of get a bit of a run. I guess really I'm going for value in the forward line in the hopes that I can generate a ton of money to sort of feed. Now could because I don't have those sort of quality draftees that would be running through the midfield yeah, like right. you do. So I'm going to have to get some money from somewhere. So I'm thinking it's up forward. Hopefully keep some mid-forward connections and you know flick things around when the DPPs get 
the new DPPs get um, get added. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's what I'm waiting for, and just hoping that the midfield can <laughs> all average a hundred <laughs> and just keep you going. Well, the rookie midfield mid forwards, not midfielders, um, like Braden Campbell, the Swans dude, Archie Perkins, the Essendon bloke. If they're held out of round one, that might be really handy. If you can have, I don't know, Will Kelly, let's use for an example, the uh, basement-priced Collingwood bloke. If he plays four games and scores a couple of 60s, whatever, shoots up that 100 grand and doesn't fully teeter out, but and then say Archie Perkins comes in around four or five, you can almost do a straight swap and you know that Perkins is then going to keep driving it up. So, yeah, I think chasing value in the forward line is a smart... Obviously, I've got five dudes under 600 grand so I've gone a similar route but that's because I kind of have stacked my back line a little bit Um, and this actually helps transition into the questions that we've got on the cards uh, because I am not super in love with Wayne Millera so he's 446 grand so I might even look at chopping him out and one of the expensive rookies I've got on my bench at the moment is Lockie Jones. So our first question comes from Anthony asking about Lockie Jones, who's a Port fan. If you don't know, I'll give you some quick digits on Jones. He is a man-child and a hell of a fun bloke to watch play. He played the entire season of Sanford League footy for the Premiership winning side. I blank at their name, but only averaged 50 fantasy points. He's a big body. He's 188 centimetres, 83 kilos, thrives as like an intercept marker and driving the teams, uh, driving his teams forward. Had to pay up for him. The Pies put a bid on him at 16 and Port Adelaide didn't want him going anywhere. But as I kind of did a lot of draft research, it seemed like Port were just going to tag this bloke. I'm not sure off the top of my head if he was in their academy or not. I think so. Obviously, Actually, as I'm saying that out loud, they matched a bid for him, so he must have been. Yeah. But yeah, I think the biggest concern for this bloke is, is he going to play enough games? So as you think about what Port Adelaide has in their back six... I mean, Hamish Hartlett has somewhat been a staple there for a few years. I feel like he's a bit more of a midfielder. But they did just trade for Alir Alir, who I think obviously occupies one of those spots. Tommy Jonas, I think he was the skipper a year or two ago, if yeah. not still is. He's, so, a, he's a great And a great player. defender. So yeah. do you reckon that... I'll see if I can get up Port's uh, best 22, proposed best 22 for round one. But do you reckon that there's a spot for this Lockie Jones bloke to play enough games to matter? I think with Aaliyah Aaliyah coming in, that's a real worry. Yeah. Especially if you're saying... Is that's that, what I thought. Too. That intercepting player who likes to drive them forward, you do sort of wonder. But Darcy Byrne-Jones is going to be back there. You think... Was Dan Houston back there in that 22 years? Uh, nah, he's interchange. He's interchange. Yeah, Dan Houston will probably be playing back there a little bit. You said Trent McKenzie. Trent McKenzie's had a bit of a renaissance last yeah, year, I must admit. Um, I can't see him having a lot of minutes... But you don't have to be in the starting back six, do you? You just have True. to be in, in the, the squad. system. Um, and if he's the sort of impact player you're saying, you never know. He might just be able to push off his players because, uh, you know, his direct sort of opponent and intercept and drive them forward. If he's a big fella who sort of fits in, he's got that mature body already. Yeah, he's a bulldog, like and, thrasher. <laughs> and you've got to remember how well Port played last year. That And they're certainly not afraid to sling some youngsters in. You see the Dersma, Rosie, Butters yeah. kind of um, vein. So I think there's a chance, but I would be uh, worried because they did so well last year. I also think that the... Coupled with their success and the Aaliyah Aaliyah trade, 
draws a bit of a line through him from an AFL fantasy perspective as a round one dude, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a bit of injury hit or Trent McKenzie's last year was a bit of a flash in the pan if he, once he comes into the side, maintained his spot and played, for example, the last 15 games, something of the year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, Next question comes from Robbie, who wants to know which big dogs in our fantasy teams are worth paying up for. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to run through the players assorted by price, go through probably some of the biggest dudes. Obviously, we've talked already about which ones are in our team or not, but just try and give me a black or white yes or no whether you think it's worth paying up for these dogs. So... Maxi gone, 944 grand, break even of 124. Take Grundy. Yeah, I think given his position, it makes a lot of sense. Lockie Neal, 10 grand cheaper, priced at 122. I wouldn't, he's just a bit too much. I think you can get the value. And I think after that year, it wouldn't surprise me if he got a little bit more attention, someone running with him pretty closely. Does that matter? Don't know. I think he was getting the attention, mate. But uh, I just think for what he's going to give you, probably just not as valuable as someone. I don't know, if, yeah. uh, 50, 100 grand. Check. I think so too. Rowan Marshall is, I think... Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at the rucks, Demond. <laughs> um, this shocked me. Third most expensive bloke in the league is Zach Merritt. I would consider 116. It. I consider it. Lockie Hunter? Also consider it. Because we were speaking earlier, I think out of all the dogs, you said Trelaw's mm. the one you least worry about. Lockie Hunter, you just don't have to worry about. You, no one ever picks him. Like People forget about him, and he's just running out there on the wing averaging 30 touches with that beautiful left boot of his. I would consider it. All right, let's keep trimming through a couple more. I'll try to get... Uh, yeah, go I'll position. just go yes or no, sorry. Yeah, no, you're up. We'll go Jake Lloyd. Yeah. Clayton Oliver. Yeah. I think I'm a lukewarm on Jake Lloyd. I've locked him into my defensive number one, but Clayton Oliver, I like the looks of. All these blokes have a break-even around 115. Taylor Adams. Nah. Yeah, I don't think he'll pop just gets injured without so trouble. I know, right? Yeah. Speaking of injuries, Tommy Rockliffe? No. Brody Grundy? Yep. yep. Jack Steele? Yeah, he was in my team earlier. Okay. I, I still might find a spot for him. Uh, Jack McRae? Lock him in. Matty Crouch? You really like him. I do, yeah. He's priced at 110, and I think Laird slash some of these younger good dudes, Haightley and Schoenberg, will benefit from Crouch leaving, but I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, if Matty Crouch led the league in disposals this year. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I quite like Matty Crouch. At 8.44, yep. that's not bad. Not bad. Uh, Andy Gaff? You can't go wrong. And He's set and forget. That's yeah, I think so. And that that's all the blokes who have a break-even of 110 or higher. So I'd include them as big dogs. Yep. Uh, the next question we got was about Steel Sidebottom, who is the only other bloke in this category that uh, is priced at a break-even of 110+. plus. Do you reckon it's worth paying up for Steele's side bottom? I kind of threw my support behind him for 20 seconds when I talked about my forward line, and I will get up some of the other forwards. We've talked about Zorko, we've talked about Dusty, talked a little bit about Dunkley, Dangerfield's injured. Rowan Marshall's honestly the other one that intrigues me, 100 grand cheaper than Sidey, and especially if you're going to go down the route of putting... Bailey Williams, Braden Pruce, I don't know, another Toby Nanker, yeah. someone like cheap in that second <laughs> ruck spot. Me on Nank, man. Yeah, it was a very like, <laughs> I don't even think I'm sold myself, but I was like, ah, okay, I'm interested. <laughs> um, put it up what you're putting down. Uh, Tommy Hawkins is actually priced pretty good yeah, for a forward. Langford, Zebel, Wingard, there's a lot of other randoms in here, but 
Out of the top six or so, who do you reckon is uh, worth picking first if salary cap was not an issue? Oh, mate, it's really tough. I think Sidey's a bit overpriced at the moment. Okay. Um, I don't see him. Was it 110, did you say? Yeah. I don't know 840 was... grand. So just yeah. for context, Dangerfield's the next most expensive 60 grand less, which... So you say sixty grand when you're talking in like eight hundreds and seven hundred, but sixty grand can help you potentially go from two one seventy k blokes not playing to like I don't know Devin Robertson and some yeah. other bloke that interests you. I think he's definitely overpriced at the moment. You've got to remember Pendlebury and Steel Side Bottom are a little bit bionic, but they're not going to last forever. Mm. Um, and the pies are all at sea at the moment. So I'm not buying um, Steel. I think he'll end in my side, and I'll snaffle him up the second he's underpriced. But I reckon he's, I don't know, maybe, uh, I would. I can't do the maths in my head, but like he seems like he's 100 grand overpriced. Seems like he's destined for a little dip in production. If he was 100 grand or averaging 100 grand less, he'd be right on 96, there which... Is what Rowan Marshall's bronzed out. Yeah, I reckon he's about a hundred grand too expensive. Might have to just quickly make some changes <laughs> to my day. In terms of locks up forward, you're, it's it's slim pickings. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to have a bit of a dip anywhere, it's up forward. Um, try some things. That's that's what I'm doing anyway. So of course I'm going to give that advice because you know I think the lay of the land will sort of reveal itself round come round five. We'll yeah. know who's who's producing, who's having a shocker. You know, there's always one or two of those top forwards, like Devin uh, Smith a few years ago. That's right, yeah. Everyone thought he was going to be the best and, like, you know, he was horrendous. Um, so I, I would say I'm going to – all the forwards are pretty much a wait and see for me. I'm just picking guys I like and I think are underpriced or, you know, going to have a big upswing. None of those top dogs, I think, are – going to do much better than what they're priced no. at. Let's be honest, if you pick your favourite players, you're already a winner, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, there you go. That's the key. All right. Uh, last question from Robbie comes regarding Super Bowl prop bets. So what kind of bets, other than just be like, the Patriots are going to win, interests you? So I've actually done a little bit of digging, so yeah, I'm going to throw I'm a couple your way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect you to do the Super Bowl digging, but uh, quickly, you got to pick. For the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks versus Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, but quite comfortably. I, for ages, thought it would be tomorrow, but I'm glad the Super Bowl's got another week. I'm going to be doing a big preview and teasing a little bit. I'm also keen on uh, picking the Chiefs. I'm not going to dive a lot into exactly why, but I think their defense is pretty underrated. So Tom Brady, to throw an interception, is paying $1.66. Now, he... Isn't known for throwing interceptions, Tom Brady, if you're unaware, but threw three last week against Green Bay, and I feel like if the Bucks are going to stay in this game and contend against Kansas City, they're going to have to be putting points on the board. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brady's chucking it around the yard. He might, you know, have five touchdowns and three picks and wins, so it might not matter, but I feel like they're going to have to be clicking on offense to uh, match the Chiefs. Yeah, I, to be honest, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who their runners are. Tampa Bay's. They got Leonard Fournette kind of having a bit of a renaissance, but yeah, RG3, RJ3, sorry, has been um, dictating terms most of the postseason. I'll see if I can quickly. Oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do that fast enough. But yeah, Brady for an interception, $1.66. You might want to couple that with something else. I think you'll be airing it out for sure. I I totally agree. Um, Speaking of airing it out, Travis Kelsey is sitting at over under yards 98. So they're basically offering you even odds whether you think he's going to have more than 98 receiving yards or less. So 
I actually have made money the last two weeks by betting on Travis Kelsey to hit triple figures receiving yards, which he has done. Uh, he's actually gone over 100 in seven of his last 10 games. In the start of the year, he had a couple of lulls, was still catching touchdowns, so it was producing fantasy-wise. But uh, he actually has a 98 amongst that as well, so that's really 8 out of 10. Uh, that's $1.88, so again, nearly even odds. Do you reckon that if you had to pick Kelsey or Tyreek Hill to lead the Chiefs in receiving yards, I'm going to be, put, for what it's worth, putting money on Kelsey to keep that streak alive, but could see Hill just popping off for like, a 40-yard gain, then a 68-yard touchdown, and then, oh, shit, there's his 100 yards. Yeah, I guess that's the real question. Like, that's the, the point. Is yeah. that Tyreek probably only going to have, I don't know, six or seven receptions, but he can be pretty explosive. I, I would back Kelsey just because of the amount of um, receptions he's going to get in the game, and you just hope they're all... He gets 10-yard receptions. Um, (laughs) That's probably how he'll do it, too. It probably would be. Yeah, I'll go Kelsey in that situation, even though Tyreek Hill was just, like, you know, astronomical. Speaking of astronomical, for what it's worth, the last time Tyreek Hill played the Kansas City Chiefs... uh, Sorry, played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's been a long podcast. Uh, he had three touchdowns and 269 receiving yards. I remember that. 200 of which came from memory in the first quarter. <laughs> so, for what it's worth, I think the Bucks will put up a hell of a fight. I think it's going to be a much closer game, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs just kind of piled it on offensively. Tampa Bay's defense has been a bit of a catalyst in their drive to the Super Bowl, though. Um, last little prop bet. I don't think this is technically available on sports bet where I do most of my betting, but you always love to pick the Gatorade color that the coach gets drenched in. Now, yellow slash orange has always been a pretty popular one. Um, I always tended to think it was blue, but I can't physically remember the last time it was blue. Last year, for what it's worth, it was watermelon colored. It was plain. So yeah, just looked like water, which was pretty boring. But what do you reckon? If you had to pick a color of Gatorade for uh, the Super Bowl shower, what do you side with? I'm going to go red, considering they're both red. Okay. I'm going to lock in yellow, uh, now that we can't bet on either of these. Uh, So give me a a score. What's the score going to be in this Super Bowl? Oh, mate, that's a tricky one. You know, something like 38 to 18 or something. Oh, you think it's going to be a big blowout for the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs will pile it on, and I, I I reckon the Bucks might struggle to sort of Put runs on the board. So yeah, okay. Yards on the board. For what it's worth, the Chiefs are three-point favourites at the moment. I think they're going to... Yeah, I think there's a lot of support behind the Bucks. I mean, they do have Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and they are, like, they're definitely the definition of peaking at the right time of mm. year. Kansas City is somewhat sort of spluttered into this. I mean, think about... They nearly lost to the Browns a round ago without Mahomes, for what it's worth. But they spluttered into this, into a Super Bowl, though. That's the thing to remember. Yeah. They're just but, playing it. That sort of half ass. They've lost one and a half games all year because they rested all their starters in the last week, so I don't count that L. Um, but I think 33 to 24, the Chiefs are going to get up, so they'll cover that line. I'm probably going to put money on them to win by a touchdown. But I'll dive into a lot of that in the Super Bowl preview that I'll drop uh, next week. I won't keep uh, any of our listeners any longer because we're nearly at the 80-minute mark. Hell of a podcast. Thanks for sitting down once again, J-Lo. Uh, 
don't think I'm going to die. I've actually got one more thing on the agenda, but I'm not going to cover it. We've we've talked enough, and it is NFL orientated. So, and I don't know that much. Go to uh, sportsbyfry.com to check out that Super Bowl preview when it does drop. I am going to be doing a realistic goals for every AFL team early this week. I was going to try and push it out over the weekend, but that didn't occur. So we might touch on some of them in the next podcast with uh, some more fantasy stuff and some more basketball bits and pieces. But once I've again, I've seen some of those uh, predictions, oh, yeah. or, and they're pretty good. So just keep ears, oh, no ears, eyes peeled for that article. Both uh, sports be fam. We'll see how it goes. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Thanks once again for joining JLo. Until next time. Chip your windy chip.